Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. All right. Thank y'all for coming out today. I appreciate everyone coming out today. Family, friends. I would like to thank God. I wouldn't be here without him. I would like to thank my mom, my dad, my brother, and all the supporters. I came a long way, and this is what I've been dreaming for. I worked hard for this, and the time is here. Thank you. I will be taking my talents, too. University of North Carolina. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata and Zach Hubbard with you. And Toriel fans, it is time to officially celebrate. We had heard all the rumors, we had seen all the crystal ball predictions, but that's right. The Toriels have landed their first five-star recruit. Saw it today since Elijah Hood back in 2014. And then, uh, of course, uh, this is the uh, the highest-rated recruit that Carolina has ever landed outside of only Marvin Austin, the number seven overall player in the country, according to 24-7 Composite Sports Rankings. Tony Grimes committed to Carolina over both Georgia and Ohio State, as well as Texas A&M earlier today. So Carolina really coming through huge and landing a massive headliner in this 2021 class, which is already stacked. But Zach, now not only are they getting a guy that is going to be 
a really great piece in the future, but a guy that we expect when he steps on campus next year, he will be able to have probably an immediate impact. I absolutely agree, and I mean, I think you look at what he brings to the table as a as an athlete, as a football player, um, really just a really complete defensive back there, specifically at the cornerback position. Now, at his high school, he does play both cornerback and safety, but uh, really the projection for him is a future, you know, first-round type um, elite athlete at the cornerback position, one of those pr- premier positions in college football and the NFL, just because uh, you can put him out there in one of his main skills is just to um, you know establish himself as um, you know what you'd call an island establish himself one-on-one with a wide receiver and essentially uh, take him out of the equation on any given play that's the kind of ability he has so you know when you have a guy like that a guy with that athletic pedigree a guy with that size a guy with the ability to play his position at that level you know the second that he gets on campus as a true freshman he's going to be in competition either for a starting spot uh, most likely at one of the outside corner spots or at the very least, you know, within the two deep there. So, you know, it, it's we've talked about Tony a lot. We've talked about sort of what this means. But, you know, when you really get, get down to it, this is a five-star prospect coming to North Carolina. And it's, uh, it's really a program changer. Uh, we've been talking a lot about a lot of these guys, you know, being a next step for the program. Uh, but, you know, when you get a guy like this, when you get a top 10 player, um, that really just stands out as compared to some of these other accomplishments that we've seen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just you look at some of the other guys that are in this class. and You know, we've had some guys that have been highly rated. Desmond Evans last year was up there. But this one just feels a little bit different because he is a top 10 prospect. He is a guy that, as you mentioned, some people look at as a guy that's going to probably be a first-round talent somewhere down the line, barring something shocking in his development. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about what it means for the program as a whole going forward. But, you know, when I look at Grom, this is a guy that definitely deserves to be ranked as high as he is in a lot of these recruiting sites. I mean, he's number one on both 24-7 and rival sports for cornerbacks in the 2021 class, and he kind of fits what Carolina wants to do with the cornerback position going forward about as well as you could ask for, especially coming out of the high school ranks because he thrives in man coverage situations, but he still has good enough long speed where, you know, if he is in some of those zone coverage situations, He has the closing speed to make an impact. He can stay with receivers when they go deep. And you like his size. You like his length because he can really affect, uh, you know, wide receivers with just how long he actually is. And, you know, he's a guy that has good ball skills. That's something that Carolina really values in their corners, especially with the fact that, you know, even last year, they they really didn't turn the football over as much as they probably would have liked. I think that's the one area in the secondary that you'd really like to see a little more improvement outside of something they can't really control, which is just staying healthy. But, um, you know, I think that when we talk about Tony Grimes coming in and making a really early impact, normally you would say, okay, well, that makes a little bit of sense. But you got to look at this 2020 secondary that Carolina is going to have, which is probably one of the best in the ACC. Now, some of the guys are unproven, but there's definitely a lot of talent there. And they're not going to lose a lot 
in the offseason next year. I mean, Patrice Rene will be leaving. Uh, he's expected to play a big role this year. But really, outside of him, a lot of the other guys are going to be back. And for us to say that we believe he's going to compete and potentially win a starting job on the outside, he's going to have to navigate some really, really talented guys. Guys that are probably going to play big roles this year, like Trey Morrison, Kyler McMurray, or Car- Kyler McMichael, excuse me, um, as well as uh, Storm Duck, um, Bryce Watts. I mean, these are very talented guys, but this is just how highly we think of a guy in, in Grimes who, you know, as of right now, I, I think it sits as a guy that could potentially by the end of this cycle end up being a top five prospect in this class with just how good of a player he is. Now, one of the things that's very interesting with Tony Grimes is, you know, when you look at at some of the uh, well, some of the rumors going around, there's a chance that he could actually end up enrolling early with everything that's going on with COVID-19. He could end up coming in as soon as August. Now, he would not be able to, of course, come in and participate unless he did reclassify to the 2020 class. Um, again, I'm not really sure on the specifics of that because that would probably be the latest that we've ever seen anybody reclassify in a class. I don't think there's any way that he would be able to somehow be a part of the team in 2020, but um, I think, you know, still there there's a lot to be excited about here. Um, this is definitely you know, in my opinion, one of the more exciting uh, commitments that we've seen in recent years. Uh, I mean, Sam Howells, I think, was one that might rival it just because of how hard Carolina pushed for him, how quick the turnaround was when Mac Brown ended up sliding into the seat until uh, you, the, you had Sam committing um, in the middle of December because he wanted to early enroll. But um, this one is definitely huge. You know, I looked at some of the comparisons and, uh, you know, I think that there's definitely some really good good ones out there, Zach. The one that I like the most is Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, uh, a guy that now is, of course, having a lot of success in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens, another lanky guy uh, that can really, uh, do, really does a great job, um, really smooth hips, uh, and, and is a guy that I think everybody should be excited about. Is, is there a comparison that you really like for Tony Grimes that uh, you think you would love to see him turn into? It's really funny that you mentioned that because Marlon Humphrey um, was a guy that I followed pretty co- pretty closely when he played in college, and that was my comparison too. I mean, you look back at a guy like Marlon Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey, and you see some of those same things. You see the bigger frame um, that allows them to sort of be a cornerback, but also play physical as needed, either in the run game or breaking up the pass. You see, obviously, very fluid motion, very fluid hips. So, you know, using that in staying with wide receivers in their routes, but also, you know, you put the ball in their hands, either one of these guys, they have a chance to take that back to the house. There's really some, you know, really creative ways in which both these players use their athleticism. so it gives you some options there, you know, with the guy that you have. But I, I think that's a great comparison. I mean, just both guys that are uber athletes, that are uber um, competitive, and guys that really want to, you know, develop their craft and just really enjoy getting in there. So, you know, I think that's a great comparison. I think with with both those guys, you couldn't ask for a better 
player to have there at one of your outside corner spots. Well, when we look back on this recruitment, I think the guy that everybody's going to point to, and rightfully so, should should be Dre Bly. Look, the 757 is the area that he came from. He recruits that area very well since coming back to Chapel Hill. And uh, he really established a great relationship with Tony Grimes from the beginning. And I think one of the things that really honestly helped this recruitment for Carolina, believe it or not, and again, we're not trying to say that, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's a good thing. Don't Let's not get the words mixed up here. But COVID-19 really helped because it really just allowed these, these coaches and especially, you know, someone that's as as vocal and, and, and around, you know, these recruits as, as Mac Brown is and Dre Bly is to, to really establish a good relationship with both him and his family. I think another thing uh, that really played a big factor and something that I think Dre was able to help with was the fact that Tony Grimes' parents are very close to their son. They want to be able to go and see him play. And Dre said, look, you know, it's really not that far of a drive. Definitely the shortest of the drives from uh, Virginia Beach to Chapel Hill than to some of the other schools that he was considering. And I think, you know, that's that's the name that when you go back and look at it, he's going to be a guy that is is pointed to as, as being the big reason why Carolina was able to land one of these guys. And I think, you know, the other thing that, that people have to realize here is not only does this give them some momentum in terms of defensive backs going forward because he was able to land a five-star guy, this also gives them a lot of momentum up in the Tidewater area where they're probably going to have to be able to recruit a lot better than they've recruited there uh, in the past under Larry Fedora and his staff, under some of the prior staffs, because, you know, this year I think was the one exception. North Carolina was loaded with talent. We've talked about it. 14 of the now 17 commits in the class are from the state of North Carolina. But here in the near future, the Tidewater area is going to be huge. And I think ultimately this is a big addition for the Tar Heels because it puts them on the radar in an area where they're going to have have to have a lot of success. I absolutely agree. And uh, speaking back on Dre Bly there for a minute, when you have the beginning of the Mac Brown uh, reemergence here at North Carolina, when you're building that staff, you know, Dre Bly uh, was one of the names that we saw thrown out at the, you know, defensive back cornerback position. And people had a lot of questions about sort of what his um, role would be, what his success would be. You know, he's still a younger guy. He's obviously a former player, but didn't really have a lot of experience um, coaching. I know that he coached at the high school level there in the Charlotte area, but I don't, I don't remember if he had any, um, you know, prior coaching experience at the college level. So there were questions there, um, both from outsiders and then from those in Carolina circles. But already we've seen just how his presence has been, um, you know, has been made not only here today with Grimes, but with past recruits, both from Virginia and then defensive back recruits. And then moving forward, like you said, the Tidewater area is going to be huge moving into the future, uh, especially in upcoming recruiting classes. Uh, this next year's class, obviously with this class, uh, North Carolina in-state recruiting was big just because of the historic class um, that is in the class in the 2021 uh, cycle. Um, but next year, it's not going to be as deep. It's not going to be as loaded. There are going to be less you know, high-quality Power 5 guys to go around, yet you're going to have the same you know, number of teams rotating, and you're going to have the four Division One teams in North Carolina, or the one four Power 5 and just eight teams in North Carolina. You're going to have Clemson, South Carolina, the Virginia schools, Tennessee. You're going to have a lot of hands in the pot, as usual, mm-hmm. and less guys in 2022. So you're going to have to make use of some of your other recruiting territories, and one of those big territories 
territories could be this tidewater area. We've already seen, you know, over the past um, few months and few weeks, we've seen offers go off to guys within that area. Um, this past weekend where we saw um, Tony Grimes compete at a camp up there in the tidewater area mm-hmm. uh, in which the Blyes, uh Dre and then his son Jordan attended, uh, Jordan competed there, but obviously, you know, you saw a lot of those Tidewater guys in there and you saw, you know, I imagine they interacted some with Dre, maybe not in an official capacity with it being a dead period, but they certainly saw him there, I'm sure. And then, you know, now they see Tony there, they see, you know, guys that have already had that interest. So I think that, you know, this recruitment alongside the connections that have already been made um, are, you know, connections that will be you know very good very strong going forward and, and allow you know north carolina to be a, a key recruiter in that area amongst some other schools of course within the state of virginia yeah and i mean you got to think that at that camp you know tony grimes probably knew when he was there where he was going to go i don't know if he talked to some of the, the recruits that were out there um he probably did i mean you know most of these guys are very tight-knit most of them if, if he did tell them look i'm going to end up going to Carolina, you know, what would you think about potentially coming there? Let's talk about that. Most of them would keep it tight-lipped because they're going to be in that situation somewhere down the line. But, I mean, you look at just some of the guys that were in attendance. Zach Rice, a big offensive lineman in the 2022 class that's very, very highly regarded. Uh, uh, Chun Chapman, uh, who plays up in that area as well. And then, of course, I mean, you mentioned guys that got offered. 2024 is already starting to see offers in the Tidewater area. So this is is an area that really has grown over the years. I mean, we've seen big time, big time guys come out of this area. And of course, it all started with Coach Bly way back in the 90s. But, um, you know, this is an area that not only is is recruited heavily, as you mentioned, by Carolina schools and, and even some of the Virginia schools, it's really become an area that everybody in the country has tried to go into because it's one of those highly regarded areas. So for Carolina to go in and land the top guy in the Tidewater area in a long, long time is huge for their momentum going forward. Um, And, and, you know, that's kind of the other question when it pertains to this class as well as some of the other classes. You know, do you think that this commitment has a a major effect from the Grimes standpoint? I mean, do we feel like, you know, this is a guy that because he landed at Carolina, it's going to resonate really well in that area? I think the biggest thing that people are kind of asking is what does this do with a guy that we're still – targeting in this class 2021 four-star weak side defensive end George Wilson the second who comes from Green Run High School in Green Run Virginia um, you know I think the biggest question that a lot of people have right now is you know do you think that this is probably the thing that puts Carolina over the top I know there's been a couple of crystal balls uh, even here tonight since Grimes committed I think this is a huge helper for Carolina is that kind of how you feel as well I absolutely do. And I mean, you look at who's recruiting Wilson along with who recruited uh, Grimes and it's Trey Bly yet again as the lead recruiter. So, you know, it's a guy that, you know, has been in the mix there in the same place, you know, both the same recruiter. These guys are from the same area. I know that they know each other. I know that they've had discussions. So it definitely can't hurt. And I mean, just speaking on the Tony Grimes commitment in general, you know, it's, it's big in that area, but it's big you know, anywhere that the Tar Heels want to recruit. When you get a guy like this, when you get a guy with that high national profile that wants to come in and join your class, obviously there have been high profile guys uh, that we've already seen join the class, but 
you get a top 10 player that's not within your home state, you know, that's a big deal. That really legitimizes what you're doing there at your program. It legitimizes. It shows to other recruits that might have doubts. Here's this guy that has all the offers in the world. You know, Georgia wants them badly. Ohio State's recruited him. Jimbo Fix, Jimbo Fisher, excuse me, at Texas A&M, you know, wants him badly down there as quickly as he can. So, obviously, this guy's got all the options in the world. Why is he going to Carolina? Well, Tony can tell you why he's going to Carolina. He can tell you about Trey Bly. He can tell you about Matt Brown. And he can tell you about what, you know, the Tar Heels are building down here. So, I think it. Yes, it does help with George Wilson, definitely. Yes, it does help in the Tidewater area, but it helps everywhere. It helps everywhere that the Tar Heels are trying to recruit um, because good players want to play with good players. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about on here before, you know, just in, in this class alone, we've mentioned it, I know, a couple of times, but this class looks like the type of class that you need to bring in if you want to be one of those playoff contenders. And I think that maybe it's it's too early to talk about that. This is a team that just came off a seven-win season. They had to win their last game of the regular season to get into a bowl game. But they're doing everything the way they need to if they're wanting to eventually get to that level. And so, I mean, I think that and maybe you know you're you're kind of on the hold back a little bit, and let's not get it too ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, maybe that state of mind. But I think at this point, Carolina fans have to sort of prepare themselves that here in the near future, expectations could be high, and this could be the type of level that you see Carolina recruiting at for a while, especially while Mac Brown is still there. Uh, you know, is this the type of recruitment that you think kind of sets that table that maybe uh, you know not only only tells Toriel fans that they're going to be in that area as a as a national contender, but maybe even the rest of the country. Yeah, I think I definitely think that it does sort of set that tone going forward. Uh, you mentioned sort of the potential for you know uh, contending for a playoff spot or contending for national titles, and uh, one of the metrics that I really like and really enjoy looking at is the blue chip ratio that's put out by Bud Elliott of Twenty Four Seven Sports. Put it out recently, and basically the data going back several years including all of the playoff era and several years before that shows that, you know, in order to win a national championship, every team that's won a national championship for really the past 10 or 15 years has had a ratio of uh, blue chip prospects, so four and five star prospects versus non-blue chip. So three stars and lower walk-on prospects, guys of that nature. Um, and generally the ratio, the cutoff point for the lowest that you can go and win a national title is about 50%. If you want to get into a playoff spot, it's roughly 40 to 45. So when and ran the numbers as of right now North Carolina is at twix, uh, 26% um, you know blue chip ratio just by adding the guys that they already have in this 2021 class not including anyone else that they could get and there's certainly quite a few uh, quote unquote blue chip prospects left on the board they would go from 26% to 36% so you can already see with the you know with the effects of Matt Brown the Tar Heels are increasing the talent on their roster to such a point that, you know, they're going to be contenders here. Maybe they're not, you know, a shoe-in for the national title, or maybe they're not a runaway favorite for a playoff spot. But the talent level is rising to a point where they're right on the cusp of being seen as this legitimate figure. And, you know, in college football, it's not always 100% about the numbers, but the closer you get, you know, you're increasing those odds every day. So am I going to say that they're going to be, you know, are they aligned for the playoff? next year no most likely not i'm not going to say that but 
you know, each year that we see this continued building, this continuation of, you know, this recruiting effort, when you have a five-star like this commit, it increases your chances in the future that you're going to get more. And, um, you know, sort of like we mentioned, I think the 22, 2022 class where they have to leave the state a little bit more to get guys, I think that's going to be, you know, a little bit more challenging. And I think it's going to be a test to see sort of what this staff can do recruiting-wise when they can't rely on uh, in-state talent as much. But I think that they've already laid a really good foundation with this class, with the past class, and then with the uh, 2019 class that they finished up right as they came in. So there's definitely some guys. There's definitely some guys here to compete for the coastal. There's definitely guys here to compete for the ACC title, and then there's guys here to compete on the national stage as well. Well, what's so big about this? And you mentioned it there is that you know not only in the 2022 class are you going to have to go out of state. You're going to want to go out of state and try to find some of these still highly rated four star, maybe even five star prospects to go into the state of Virginia to get Tony Grimes is huge. This is not, oh, well, he was a home state guy. Maybe he really just fell in love with the campus. Kind of the stuff that we heard with Desmond Evans when he was a four-star. Eventually, of course, he finished out as a very high or, or a five-star and eventually finished out as a very high four-star. This was completely different. This was a guy that was in the top 10 for almost all of his recruitment. Is an out-of-state guy that, if we're going to be honest, when we were initially hearing about him was probably looked at as a long shot to be a Tar Heel. Was a guy that we threw the offer out to, Dre Bly was going to talk to and say, look, you know, I came from this area, look at the success that I had. There's a possibility that you could do that at Carolina as well. You could be the big name there. But most people thought, okay, there's no way he's going to pass up the opportunity to go to Georgia or Ohio State. He's going to have to commit to one of these big time schools. He's just not going to buy in to the fact that he could be the guy. And maybe, you know, this is creating a, a, a wave here in college football. I think part of it is, is, is that maybe people are starting to see that going to places like Alabama, going to places like Clemson, it's good if you, you know, there, it's good because you get the competition. You could end up, of course, going to uh, to co- to the NFL not even having played that much. I mean, as, if you're there and you play a significant backup role, there's always a chance that you can go to the NFL. But as we've seen, there have been some really talented guys that have gone on to play at those schools and just really weren't able to make a huge role for themselves because of the amount of talent that's in front of them. So I think, you know, this shows, and especially if he goes here and has success, that not only can you go elsewhere, Carolina is going to be one of those big places that you can go because Mac Brown can get you where you want to go. Um, just a couple of stats on Tony Grimes as a recruit overall. I mentioned that Elijah Hood was the last five-star. Uh, that was on one site. That was on Rivals. When it comes to composite five-stars, Carolina has had just three other composite five-star players. Dwight Jones back in 2007. 2009, of course, Dante Page Moss came through. And then Marvin Austin, of course, was the head Liner. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the class of 2007, but Tony Grimes is the number two overall recruit all time for Carolina if his if his ranking ends up holding, which we believe that it will because uh, according to everything that we saw, he went out and just did his thing and pressed once again at the latest camp that we saw over the weekend up in Virginia. Um, and now I think you know the biggest thing is is what kind of effect does this have on the rest of the class? We talked about. 
uh, you know, George Wilson and, uh, you know, what his uh, ultimate move could end up being. Of course, Carolina still has a lot of other really talented prospects committed in this class. And you wonder if this does have some sort of effect on some of the other big time targets that Carolina has. Guys like Bryson Nesbitt, who, you know, has been considering Carolina, but has also been considering South Carolina. You wonder if this move makes him look at North Carolina as a potential national championship contender in years to come, at least college football playoff contender in years to come, and if that changes his decision in any way. It also could play in very well at the defensive tackle spot that we talked about in depth on the last podcast, where there are some guys that may have to look at this team a little differently now. Even though this was a really great class before, now you've got a five-star guy committed in this class. You've got a guy that everybody throughout the nation is talking about, and potentially he could end up being your teammate if you commit there and you could be part of something uh, that's really building in Chapel Hill. So I think it gives a lot of other guys in this class something to think about. Um, One of the guys that's probably thinking a lot about it, even while he's out in Nashville right now, is Drake May. Of course, he got his Elite 11 finals camp underway last night. Reportedly, Not the best showing for him. He did struggle, apparently, with some short and intermediate throws throughout the night. Um, But things were kind of thrown off schedule. Of course, this is is way earlier in the year than they usually do. Um, The Elite 11 camp, that's usually sometime in late July, even early August, when they usually have the guys go out. Of course, last year was in Frisco, Texas. This year in Nashville, some bad weather rolled through yesterday. So as the guys were getting ready to go out, getting in the state of mind, they ended up having to push back uh, the camp until later in the night. Of course, they're also doing that again tonight. But he should be on the field right now. But uh, not a great showing from him in night one, but still plenty of time to make it up. And uh, I think, you know, the other thing that, that people have to realize, and I'd love to get your opinion on this too, Zach, I mean, look, you know, the Elite 11 is a great camp. You get to go out, you get to compete with some of the top guys in the country, but it's not the end-all, be-all. If you go there, if you struggle a little bit, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a bad prospect. I still think that this is overall going to be a great experience no matter how it ends up for Drake May this offseason. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, the Elite 11 as a quarterback event is just one of the data points that evaluators use. I mean, obviously, you know, there's seven-on-seven work, there's your athletic profile, there's your pedigree knowledge of playbook and plays, and then, of course, you know, the number one thing you have your actual game film, you know, playing on Friday nights and, you know, going against the competition actually in the heat of the moment making decisions. So, you know, even if Drake didn't have the best outing on day one, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, regardless, I mean, to be perfectly honest, and this might be a little bold, it might be a little hyperbolic, but he could have a bad time, you know, all through the Elite 11. It wouldn't really change my opinion of him right. as much just because we've seen what he can do on 7-on-7 seven seven and we've seen what he can do on game film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, does he need to be a five-star? It would be nice if he, if he would be graded out that way, and he is a very good quarterback. But I think that at this point, you know, guys that have really gone in and looked at what he can do know that they're getting a good player, know that they're getting an elite quarterback that's going to be, you know, a really good player within this offense. So it's not something that I'm sweating as much. It's not something that I think fans should sweat as much. Right. Um, I mean, just 
just be happy that you got it in the first place, of course, being a very good player, being a very sought-after player. Um, and, you know, just know this is a good player no matter what he does, um, sort of, uh, as they like to say, sort of jokingly, uh, in T-shirts and shorts out here throwing against air. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I totally agree. Everybody always ranks on the uh, on the NFL scouting combine. I think certain parts of it are good for certain position groups, but that was what they ended up doing last night was basically mock combine stuff, um, throwing on air. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's an area where, you know, a lot of people that have gone back and watched him have said he doesn't really thrive in those type of environments. He's not a guy that's going to blow you away athletically. Um, you know, we talk about it when we when he ended up committing you know he's a guy that can use his legs but he's not a guy that's going to wow you with his running ability um you know and, and and the throw on air apparently wasn't great last night I'm not really worried about that because as you said there's you know and and you know we've seen it the seven on seven drills he's great and there's a seven on seven part of this competition that still has yet to happen that could be the area where he really ends up uh, making some strides I think that's the biggest thing though is that a lot of people were hoping when he went out there that he would end up impressing enough to become a five-star. I'm kind of with you though. Look, there's a reason why the Heel Tough Blog website almost broke when he ended up committing to Carolina. There's a reason that we got on there and talked for almost an hour exclusively about him in this class and why he was so big and why it was so important to bring him in even when we had Sam Howell still scheduled to return next year. He Remember, he cannot leave so Drake May is not a guy that's going to come in as a true freshman and play unless there's an injury. That's that's pretty much how we're going to look at it. Um, but there's you know there was still so much hype around him. There's a deserved hype around him going into his senior year. Remember, this is a guy that threw 50 touchdowns to just two interceptions a year ago at the high school level. I don't care what level you play at. If you throw 50 touchdowns to two interceptions, you're a damn good player. So um, I think it's you know it's something to keep an eye on. Of course, we're having you covered on the website with it, but I wouldn't read too much into his struggles on day one. Um, he's still got two days to go. There's a chance that he can impress. And the other good news is there's a couple other big-name guys that were there that really didn't get off to great starts either. So it's not just him. These guys are in really, I mean, this this is a pressure situation for a lot of these guys because especially right now, I mean, you got to think, there are people all over the Twitter timeline saying, I wish this was televised because there's just nothing else going on. There's so much focus on this camp right now because there's just nothing else going on in the sports world that you got to think the pressure might be getting to these guys just a little bit. But of course, as I mentioned, we'll keep you updated on the Heel Tough blog website on everything that's going on uh, with Drake May. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. I had another question come in from uh, from one of our fans, of course, that uh, has reached out to us before. Um, they have sent us in a couple of questions uh, beforehand. And this was another good one. This is one that I don't think we've talked about a lot because he's kind of flown under the radar. But they had a question about Yusef Marigbal, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, of course, uh, I, most people, you know, he was a guy that kind of popped on the radar early uh, last year when he got an offer. was one of the first guys in the 22 class to get an offer. He's at a Murphy High School all the way in Murphy, North Carolina, uh, which is down in, in the in the 
uh, bottom left-hand corner of, of the mountain areas, uh, right near the borderline of, of, of Georgia and Tennessee. Um, and he's he's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it makes sense why we just don't know a whole lot about his recruitment. But, you know, they asked me, do you think that with Jared Wilson in place at offensive guard, that Carolina is done with Yousef, and do you think that there's any chance that we're just not hearing anything, Carolina is still on him? You know, it's an interesting question, and it's really hard to get a read on him because he's not very active on social media. It's really, really hard to go out and visit him because when you go out and visit him, you more than likely have to stay the night because even if it's, you know, if you want to go back, I mean, from my house here in the Charlotte area, it's about a six-hour drive to him, and that's still in the state of North Carolina. So he is way out there. Um, And there's not really a whole lot of other recruits in that area. So it's really hard for a lot of these big time writers that cover, um, you know, recruiting Uh, guys like Don Callahan at Inside Carolina have said it, um, as well as some of the rivals guys. You know, it's just so hard to swing by him because there's nobody else in the area to really focus on as well. They usually like to couple guys together, hit a couple of schools at one time. Um, But I think at this point, you know, look, Carolina's got Jared Wilson in this class. He's a guy that is, you know, I think as of right now is still a composite three-star, um, but is right on the borderline of becoming a four-star. Big guy in the middle that's going to be sort of that road grader type that you like on your offensive line. He's going to help you in the run-blocking game, can hold his own in the pass-blocking game. Um, I, I, I would be kind of shocked. I think uh, Yousef's probably going to go somewhere else. I think uh, more than likely NC State's probably going to be one of the favorites for him. I believe App State is another one that he's been looking at very strongly. But um, I think Carolina's got their one guy in this class. I think Yousef's a really good player. I've seen his film before. He can really play. Um, But I don't think ultimately he ends up at Carolina. Is that kind of how you feel as well? Yeah, that is how I feel. And it's kind of, as you mentioned, uh, a combination of of factors why we haven't heard about him. Um, with Jared Wilson in the class, um, they've, they've actually kind of finished their offensive line recruiting, as we've discussed before. They, mm-hmm. They're not projected to lose anybody. They want to take guys if they you know, think they're elite, um, but they, they it's not really a requirement that they get Yousef. I do think that they still have a spot potentially for him or for another guy that we've discussed in Logan Taylor mm-hmm. out of Virginia. Uh, but with uh, Yousef in particular, like you mentioned, it's hard to get out there. Uh, doesn't speak that much from the little that I've heard. It pretty much matches what you've said. Um, I believe he does have uh, two brothers that are in at, at NC State, so I think that kind of gives them at least somewhat of an inside track. Mm-hmm. Obviously, where he lives in Murphy, North Carolina, it's right near the Tennessee border. I think the Tennessee, obviously, with that you know advantage built in, could be a factor here. I've heard UG, UGA thrown around a little bit as well as uh, South Carolina, but it's really hard to say, you know due to just the lack of any information, the lack mm-hmm. of interviews by uh, either Carolina sources or other teams, you know, beat writers or reporters, things along those lines. So, you know, it's not a guy I'm going to project. I'm not going to say that Carolina wouldn't necessarily be interested in taking his commitment if there was any sort of, you know, increased communication or anything along those lines. I think that he's a guy that could potentially have a spot. Uh, but he's not a guy, like you said, he's not a guy that I'm going to project into the class or really look at as a super serious option, at least as of right now. I would say that they would probably take Logan Taylor before they would take him. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree with that 100%. Um, that would be my selection as well. If I had to pick between the two, I'd rather have Logan Taylor. But like I said, you know, 
it's not really a situation in which right. you know you're going to be upset either way. If you've exactly. got a spot there and you want to take another offensive lineman, both would be good choices. Yeah, no, I think you're right on that. I think uh, you know Carolina's just got a little bit of a closer relationship with Taylor. I also think that offensive tackle is a spot where you really just can never have too many guys. The guys on the interior you don't necessarily need as much because usually what'll end up happening is if you've got a guy on the outside of tackle that's struggling, you can put some more weight on him, move him inside to guard. It's a lot easier to make that transition than kicking a guard out to tackle. So um, I think, you know, ultimately Logan Taylor is probably the guy there. I think for Youssef, it would probably have to be one of those situations where Carolina doesn't end up filling their class like they think. Maybe, you know, I mean, they're looking, uh, you know, I've heard anywhere from 20 to 22 guys in this class really just depends. But maybe there's a spot open. They say, you know what, um, you know, we, he still hasn't committed maybe at some point maybe we put a little bit uh, more into his recruitment and they could slip him back door but as of right now uh, I don't think that uh, that's going to end up being uh, the situation there uh, but still thanks for uh, submitting the question uh, to us we really appreciate that that's uh, Carolina fan at heels underscore Carolina on uh, Twitter that sent that in so we thank you so much uh, and uh, definitely an interesting topic to talk about but uh, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Law podcast. Make sure you guys go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We've got the Tony Grimes commitment article. Go in there. Read the breakdown of Tony. There's a whole bunch of great stuff in there. As I mentioned, read about how he could end up coming in August instead of having to wait until December. That's a really interesting scenario that we are going to be keeping you up to date on. Pretty much they've said, look, if the Virginia High School League decides to cancel the season or even postpone it to the spring, they are out. They're coming to Carolina. They're going to enroll early. So make sure that you keep an eye on the website for that. Um, Also, some other really great stuff up there. Of course, as I mentioned, we're keeping you up to date on Drake May with everything that's going on with him. Uh, We'll have all the coverage that you need on the George Wilson commitment as we get up to that one. That one's July 12th, so we'll have a ton of other really great stuff for you as we lead up to that. Another preview uh, of a uh, of a commitment. We'll have all the information that you need, uh, how confident you should feel going into that um, before, of course, we uh, we, we cover uh, his commitment and write either a commitment article or where Carolina goes next from there. We'll have you covered on either front uh, whenever that day rolls around. And then, of course, great basketball stuff on the website as well. Um, of course, you can go back, check out the underappreciated starting five. We got some information up there about Anthony Harris and his knee injury and how he's doing recovering from it. All the great stuff, HeelToughBlog.com. Of course, want to encourage you to like uh, and subscribe to the podcast uh, so that you can uh, you don't miss uh, any edition of the podcast. A rate, review, and subscribe, I should say. Um, rating and reviewing, of course, helps move us up the rankings, allows more people to find the podcast so they can listen to all all the great analysis that you just heard here from both me and Zach. Um, And of course, uh, the other thing is, is if you subscribe, you won't miss any editions of the great podcast. We've still got some interviews that we did in the offseason that we are going to put out at some point when things sort of settle down a little bit on the recruiting trail. But as we lead into some of these uh, other big recruitments as we go throughout uh, the summer, which a lot of them seem like they're going to end up cutting it short, realizing that even if there is a college football season, they more than likely won't be able to get on campus. We'll have you covered with all that here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. So once again, want to thank Zach for joining me tonight as my co-host. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! <laughs> <laughs>